Welcome to the Highland Church Podcast, where we share biblical teaching to glorify God and to bless you. This year, we're talking about my part, God's plan. God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is a part of God's bigger plan for the world. Now, if you connect with what you hear today, I hope you'll join us online Sundays at 10 a.m., or that you'll join us on-site right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, let's jump into today's teaching, and don't forget, you're part of God's Amen. Manuel, God with us. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1. A few of the verses you heard earlier, but just want you to hear them again as a reminder of what this day means to us. And then I'll preach. I'm going to be a little shorter today. No one's complaining about that on Christmas. Uh, Partly that's because our morning started at 4.23 a.m. So I'm tired. Right? Uh, But also we got squirmy kids here, and I want them to hear what Christmas is all about this morning, and then you can reinforce that, parents, when you go home. But this is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Listen, Listen to this again. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found out that she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Today, Christmas Christmas Day, is in many ways the day on which all of our hopes rest. I know there's Easter, there's the resurrection of Jesus when all of those hopes are confirmed or ratified, but they first take root on this day, Christmas Day, when we believe that God comes to be with us in the form of Jesus. I don't think there is a single event that more globally has produced hope in the world. And like we sing at Christmas, it's joy to the what? The world, the whole world. In fact, you can see this in art. I know we got a lot of little ones today, so there's going to be some visuals I want you to see, but you adults will appreciate this too. I don't think there is a scene in the history of the world that has been depicted in art more times than the birth of Jesus the Messiah. And so I found this great collection of some of that artwork, and we're going to look at it on the screen behind me, and you'll just see one after another from different countries around the world. And they're not trying to, to, to depict an accurate portrayal of a Palestinian Jew born 2,000 years ago. You know, they're not going for historical accuracy. What I love about each one of these pictures is what they're trying to show is how much this scene means to them, to these people. So take a look at some of these with me. This is from... Malaysia. One of our elders is from Malaysia, and so I love this one. I love how vibrant the colors are. Everyone's staring at Jesus as he's just radiant. You see that in the picture? Well, let's look at this next one. This is from the Congo in Africa. I'm struck by this picture, simple 
thatched house structure, baby Jesus is being born into. Well, let's look at this one, the next one. This is from England. It's like a, like a farmscape, you know, a rural barn in England. You got the sheep coming in all to see Jesus and the light again radiating into the darkness of that barn. There's Jesus born there. Let's look at the next one. This is from Indonesia. I love the colors in this one, and I love Mary's face looking at Jesus. Wonder in her face. Good. Or look at this next one. This is from Thailand. I love the water buffalo are charging Jesus <laughs> in this. You can't stop the water buffalo who just want to get to Jesus. Don't you love that? That one. Let's look at the next one. This is from Guatemala. It's a little pixelated in this one, but the angels carrying a banner that says Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. The angels singing outside this simple home in Guatemala with these tired parents, Mary and Joseph, there and baby Jesus. Or let's look at this one. This is in Korea. I love that you could see the star peeking through the, the barn there or the stable. You see the star, which was followed to lead them to Jesus. And you have the people crowding in with tea. <laughs> I love that. Let's look at the next one. Here you have China. This is a country that's really special to this church. We, we have deep connections with China. There you have baby Jesus. And then let's look at this last one, I think. Or actually, maybe two more. This is Native American. I think this is from the Crow Nation. One of the things you may not know about Native Americans is that they're one of the least evangelized people groups in the world. And some of the closest to us. And yet there are some Native Americans for whom this story means everything. You see that in this story. And then let's look at the next one. This is the USA. I picture this is like 1950s, 1960s USA. You got Mary, she's tired, she's in bed holding baby Jesus. And you got all the neighbors coming to bring, you know, gifts. Maybe it's potluck, maybe casseroles in one of their arms. They're coming to visit. All these different people it kind of reflects the melting pot of our culture here in America. All coming to see baby Jesus. Don't you love those pictures? I love them. And it makes me think about why is this day, the day on which Jesus was born, the hope of the whole world? Why does this give joy to everybody? Well, there's a phrase in a sermon that Peter gives in Acts, and we've been preaching through Acts, maybe our guest today, and, and you, you didn't know that, but we're working our way through Acts. Well, Peter says something in Acts chapter 3 about Jesus. He calls Jesus the author of life, the author of life. I love that phrase. What that means is that word author that we translate author there, it means the beginner or the originator or the founder or the guide or the one who's bringing it to its conclusion. So he starts it and he's bringing it to its end, much like a what? Like an author of a book, right? That's why it's translated. He's the author of life. And so this troubles my, my boys who've had arguments about this before. Is Jesus the author of life or is God the author of life? You know, they don't want to talk about it like that. They'll say, God made the world. No, Jesus made the world. Dad, tell brother he's wrong. Well, guys, you're both right. You know, according to Colossians 1 and John 1, Jesus was there with God creating the whole world. He is the author of life too. I don't want to hear that. Just tell him he's wrong. 
But of course, that's what we believe as Christians, that Jesus and God are one, that he's the author of our whole lives. And so what makes the Christmas story significant is that the author of our lives has come and joined us in the midst of our lives. That he is the way that God the Father has come to be with us. And so, you know, since we've got kids in the room, I, I want you to see this, kids. I want you to understand how significant this is that we're talking about. So, kids, I want you to picture your favorite book. I've just got the biggest book on my shelf. It's a dictionary. This is probably not your favorite book. Um, but just picture your favorite book for a second. And here's the thing about a book. Any book that you're reading or that your parents are reading to you, every book has an author. It has somebody who wrote the book, right? Okay, so there's somebody who put this story together, who imagined the characters in the story, who wrote the plot of the story, what happens to each and every one of those characters. So there's somebody behind that. But the author is separate and apart from the book, aren't they? Like they can carry the book under their shoulder. They can sell the book on Amazon and make money. If they're a creative author, they might write a character with their name in the story, but they're still separate and apart from the story. They can't get in it. And what that means is that the characters in this story can't get to him or her either. That's what it means. That their lives are beyond their control. And so what we believe at Christmas is that the author of the story breaks through that impossible barrier and jumps in to the middle of our lives. And what that means is, if he has done that impossible thing, that the greatest power in the universe has gone from outside of our stories to right in the middle of them, right alongside us, right where you and I can touch him and talk to him and interact with him and ask him for help in our lives, then our lives aren't hopeless. They're not predetermined. They're not out of our control that you and I have access to power that can make our lives better. And that is what we all want. That's what we all want. The author with us. So let me, let me end with a story here, and then we're going to do something special when I end. Um, I, I heard this story that captured this maybe better than, than any other way I could come up with, so I'm just going to tell you the story. I have a friend here in town. He's actually a minister at another church here in town. And a couple of us got together with him and some others a few weeks ago, a couple ministers, and he told us the story of his second child's birth. It, this little girl just being born a few um, weeks earlier, and he told us the story. They had an older son. I think he's about two years old, and this, this guy just loves being a dad. It just brings joy to his life. Anytime he talks about his kids, his eyes just well up, and he's full of joy. And so they were expecting their second kid, and, oh, we were praying for them. We were so looking forward to this, just joining in his joy about this. And the pregnancy was smooth and, and great up until the last few weeks when there was some complications. And so she went on, on bed rest there at the end. And so that ratcheted up the anxiety and it's already an anxious time, but that ratcheted up the anxiety. And so she's on bed rest, but she makes it to the delivery date and the baby's gonna be delivered by cesarean. And so they go in and they go into the operating room where they're gonna deliver this baby and he's in there in scrubs. They let you go in now to, to be there when the baby's delivered as the dad. And, 
He's holding his wife's hand. The moment's arrived. They made it. Like all the anxieties are past and the baby is delivered. And the baby, this sweet, sweet little girl is crying and just taking her first breaths of life. And he's crying. His wife's crying. Everybody's just overcome with joy because the baby's here. But then in just a moment, the baby stops breathing. And there's challenges. They can't get the baby's oxygen up. The baby begins to go pale. And so before they know it, they just rush the baby out of the room. They take this little baby girl up into the NICU just like that, rush her out of the room. And so there he is with his wife, mom, and uh, she's just been through this serious procedure. She can't get up. And the child they have been longing for for months has been taken away from him, and they don't know how the child is. So he doesn't know what to do. He's crying. He doesn't know if he should go to be with the baby or if he should stay with his wife who's been through this terrible, difficult thing. He knows there's people over there taking care of the baby. He feels like maybe he should stay with his wife. And he's talking to his wife about, should I go? Should I stay? And they can't decide what to do. And the nurse overhears them talking about this. And the nurse says, oh, you know, when, when the dad is able to, we always encourage the dad to go be with the kid because we've learned that the babies do better when their father's with them. He said that made up his mind. He went out the room, he goes up to the NICU and he walks in and there's all these dads sitting by these warming tables in the NICUs with their, with their babies hooked up to these machines. And he comes in and he sits down with his daughter for the first time and he reaches out and he takes her little hand and his, and he's rubbing her little hair, and she's struggling to breathe, and he doesn't know what to do, so he's just sitting there just praying to God for her to breathe, and he says he sits there for hours just holding her hand and rubbing her fingers, and before he knows it, one of the nurses comes up to him on the NICU floor, and she taps him on the shoulder, and she says, she's doing so much better now. We're going to take her off oxygen. We're going to send her back to the room with you. And a second nurse says, you know what? It's the strangest thing, but we have just found that babies do better when their father's with them. We do better when our father's with us. Emmanuel. That's Christmas right there. Let me say a prayer over you, and then we're going to do one more special thing. God, we give you great praise that you would come to be with us through your son, Jesus. That the author of life, the author of each and every story in this room, that you would enter our stories, that we might know you, that we might cry out to you in prayer, that we might live with you each day of our life, God, well, it allows us to do better. And so we thank you, God. We cannot imagine a life without you with us. And so we thank you on this Christmas for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.